This morning, we will continue with our series on Genesis. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. Everything starts and ends with God. Only God has no end. We have an end, but God has no end. And as we're going through the book of Genesis, we will basically be looking at the focus of four great events and four great people. We've talked about the creation in Genesis 1 and 2. We've spoken about the fall of Adam and Eve when they disobeyed God and partook of the fruit that was for the bidden that brought about death. Last week, Pastor Danny started us on the third event, which is the flood. And then comes the nations, and we will discuss in Genesis chapters 10 and 11, the Tower of Babel. And we will discuss four great people, Abraham, his son Isaac, his son Jacob, and his descendant Joseph. So, we're on this series, and why is it important for us to study the book of Genesis? Because this is where we believe everything started from. The word Genesis means the beginning. So we have to look at the beginning. And last week, Pastor Danny shared with us, through his message entitled, Seriously Heed God's Warning. We have many warning signs. Do not enter. Stop. Do not cross. But we do, obey, do we obey them? Many times we don't. Why? We don't really pay attention to the consequences. Especially in the Philippines. No dumping of garbage. Where's the garbage? Right there. Do not cross. Where do they cross? Where the sign says, do not cross. Only in the Philippines, huh? Do not urinate here. Where do they urinate? <laughs> Only in the Philippines. So there are warnings, but they don't heed the warnings. Why? Because they're not afraid of the consequences. Right? It just takes a 500 peso bill to escape the consequences. But, Last week, Pastor Danny shared with us in Genesis chapter 6, he said, God looked at the earth, the earth that he himself created. He looked at the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all the flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. What is the condition of mankind according to God? Corrupt. Oh, we are so used to that, Pastor. We are so used to it. Just 500 peso bill. Okay na. But this is a different kind of corruption. This is a depravity that Romans chapter 1 tells us about. This is the depravity that is seated 
in the very depths of the heart of man. And God made the decision. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. What was his warning? He said, I am going to put an end to all of this. I am about to destroy mankind with the earth. So he made a judgment. He made a warning. He spoke to Noah, one who was blameless, one who is in God's eyes was a righteous man. And he told Noah, Noah, I'm going to do something about the corruption of the world. I'm going to put an end to this. And I'm going to push the restart button. And you will be that person. So he told Noah, Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark is 350 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. I want you to take particular note of how detailed God's instructions were to Noah and how detailed God's instructions still are to us today through the Bible. Now, what did God tell Noah? He's supposed to make an ark. Oh, not the double arches. That's McDonald's. He said, make an ark. What kind of wood? Oh, mahogany. If you try to build a boat out of mahogany, Jacques Cousteau will have to look for you. You will be in the bottom of the ocean. Because mahogany, that kind of wood does not float. Balsa wood floats. Gopher wood floats. So God told Noah, make an ark made of gopher wood. And what is he supposed to do? Cover it inside and out with pitch. What is pitch? Tar. It's a sealant. Right? And then what else? 300 cubits in its breadth, 50 cubits in its height, and 30 cubits Sorry, the length is 300 cubits, the breadth is 50 cubits, and the height is 30 cubits. I guarantee you, I am not 30 cubits tall. <laughs> this proportion is being used to this very day in the maritime industry. This is how ships are built. This is the ratio and proportion of ships that are built even today. And it's practically proven that this kind of design is practically unsinkable. That's how detailed God is. The reason I know this is my brothers-in-law, they are all merchant marines. So they study this. And I validated it with them. Yes, that's what we use, the dimensions even today. What else did he tell Noah? You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it lower, second, and third decks. Why would you need a window? If no window, how will you breathe? Why did he tell to put the door? How will you go in? Why not put it in the front? Why does it have to be on the side? How many floors? Three floors. Specific. 
God gives us specific instructions to follow. And he said, Behold, I am bringing the flood water upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life. From under heaven, everything that is on the earth shall perish. Now, what's the problem? When God says that he will bring a flood, what is the problem? There's really no problem, especially for us in the Philippines. How many typhoons do we have every year? So we know it, right? I was there in the Philippines in, when Typhoon Ondoy hit. Even our subdivision, which I'm already, our, house, our townhouse is located on the upper portion, the bottom part looked like a sea. So I'm familiar with the flood. The only problem that Noah had is he had not yet experienced rain. He had not yet experienced a flood. Because according to Genesis chapter 2, God watered the plants when the waters from underneath would rise up in the morning and then go back. So there was no need for rain. Pastor Danny showed us a picture of the canopy. Right? So you have Noah having all of these dilemmas. What is an ark? What do you mean by rain? Now think about it. What if Noah did only, he only put the pitch or the tar in the inside? What would happen to the ark? Water would come in. Correct? What if he did not put a roof? The water will come in. The buoyancy would change. The ark might sink. How many levels? Three. Why must there be a door? Etc. Etc. God has a purpose. And he told Noah, I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark. You, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. What did God promise Noah? I will establish a what? A new covenant. I'm going to push the restart button. And from this time on, my covenant, my promise will be with you. You, your wife, your three sons, Larry, Moe, and Curly Joe. Uh, no, that's uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. You go in with their wives. Total of eight people. The Chinese character for salvation, the calligraphy, is eight people in a boat. Think about that. So he said, go in. You, your family. What else? And every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds, of the, of the birds after their kind, of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground that it, after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. So not only mankind, God asked Noah to bring in a pair a male and a female, of all living creatures. Why? Because he was going to start afresh. He was going to have Noah be the start of a new beginning. And he said even this, As for you, take for yourself some 
of all food which is edible. And gather it for yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Who is that them? For the animals. Imagine God thought of everything. How, how salvation would come, which would be through a boat, because the boat will uh, you know, be buoyant in the flood. God figured out everything about the dimensions of the ark and even thought about the food. Whose food? Food for human beings and food for the animals. Male and female. Why? So that they could reproduce and repopulate the earth. So complex. So mind-boggling if you were Noah because this is all new, God. I have never experienced all of this. And Noah, his shoes, if they had shoes, I submit to you, they were Nikes. You know why? And thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. So he did. What is the slogan of Nike? Just do it. That's what Noah did. He just did it. Why? Because God told him. Did he understand? No. But did he do it? Yes. Why? Because he believed in the person who was giving him the instructions. If you really believe God, you will want to obey his instructions. If you believe God 100%, you will believe God 100% of his instructions. Yes? Because in that aspect of your life that you are not obeying God, then in that aspect, God is not God. Amen ba? So what did Noah do? He just did everything. Imagine you're in the middle of a dry and arid place. You have to, you and three other men have to chop down the wood, have to build it according to specifications, and you build and you build and you build. And in the midst of your construction, in the midst of your obedience to God, you have people who ridicule you day and night, Monday through Sunday. What are you building, Noah? An ark. What is that? I don't know. God just told me to build it. What will happen, Noah? There is going to be rain and there is going to be flood. What is that, Noah? I don't know. God just told me. And I'm sure after a while, people were coming to Noah and calling him all kinds of names. Let's go see if Noah is there. Noah, it's been four months, 120 days. Let's see. Noah, no rain. Noah, no flood. Something is wrong with you, Noah. It's all right. I just do it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. It took 100 years for Noah to finish the ark. Maybe God wants to rebuild something in your life. Are you waiting patiently or God? Or are you insisting on your own timetable for God to move? And then when we become restless, 
we begin to take matters into our own hands. God, you're too slow. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And oh, by the way, can you just bless it anyway? Not so with Noah. He was faithfully building the ark. Even if he did not understand it, perhaps his family members did not understand it. Definitely the people around him did not understand him. But he was faithful. He was faithful to God and he was also faithful to the people. Really? Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5. He worked for the Lord in building the ark. And he witnessed for the Lord as a preacher of righteousness. He was not just building the ark. He was building the ark for God. And in the process of his routine, he still preached righteousness to the people around him. God has seen the corruption of the world and he's going to bring a flood and he's going to eliminate every living creature, every creature that has breath in it, he will destroy. <laughs> Something is really wrong with you, Noah. Something is really wrong. But Noah's trust was in God. And in Genesis 7, verse 11, in the 600 years, of Noah's life in the second month on the 17th day of the month on the same on the, the same day all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were open so this is when rain and the flood began god opened the heavens and rain began to pour down and god let the waters from underneath burst open so the water came from both underneath and from above. And then the water began to rise. And in verse 16, those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, entered as God had commanded him. And the Lord closed it behind them. You see, God thought of everything. If Noah and his family and all the animals are inside, who's going to close the dark? Who's going to close the door? God did. Even God thought about that small detail. What if they did not enter? Okay, God. You finished. The ark is finished. We'll watch. Because I want to see this flood. What is this? What would happen to Noah and his family? They would, they would perish. They too would die. So you had to do something, build the ark, and you had to go in. Because your refuge is the ark. The ark, as Pastor Danny shared with us last week, is a type. When the Bible says it is a type, it is a similitude, something that is the same. In the New Testament, the ark is Jesus Christ. And those who want to take refuge in Jesus Christ for salvation must enter through the door. And Jesus said, I am the door. I am the gate. I am the way. All kinds of descriptions. But the very essence is still the same. Salvation is only in Christ. 
In the time of Noah, they had to build the ark and go into it. And the Lord shut them in. And what happened to the people on the outside? Those on the outside who did not believe. Those on the outside who continued to ridicule Noah and his family. And perhaps even ridicule God. Perished. They all died. And only eight people were saved. Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives. For these people, it was too late. Because they did not believe the word, the promise, the warning of God. They did not take it seriously. The same thing is happening today. You agree? The same thing, exactly the same thing as foretold by Jesus in Matthew 24. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand. They didn't understand the warning until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Do you believe that people nowadays are giving in marriage? Just eating to their heart's delight with, without ever thinking of the possible consequences? We are on a downward spiral, my friends. Because as God told Noah as early as Genesis 6, the wickedness is in the very heart of man. And God did something in the time of Noah. And God still continues to do something today. Therefore, we are reminded to seriously heed God's warning. It's a bit scary, don't you think? That God Almighty would exact such consequence on sin and evil. Even if we know that God is a good, gracious, and loving God. But God is also a just God. And in the Bible you will see, God is angry. God is angry at sin. And he has to do something about it. This morning I want to give you some rest. I want to give you some rest. Now I purposely covered it up so you can appreciate the picture. What do you see there? Sheep. What are they doing? Huh? Oh, some people say procrastinating. <laughs> some people are resting, right? They're just chilling, right? They're just cool. Right? Look at that other one. Uh, where is it? On your right, my left. Look at him. He's just, you know. Right? They're at peace. Right? They're just resting. How can you rest? How can Pastor Ingsong give us a message on rest? The flood, you know, all the disaster of the flood. What's going on? Well, the message this morning is rest. How many of you like a good night's rest? Yes? You know, when you wake up, you feel refreshed. But I know that some of you... When you wake up, you just woke up and you're already what? Tired. 
There are some people like that. Yes? So, rest well. Rest well. I'm not going to give you medication or, you know, melatonin or what. That's not the solution. For you to be able to rest well, this is my suggestion. Rest well because God remembers you. Rest well because God knows you. Rest well that God remembers you. Let's pray. God Almighty, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that our comfort, that our rest, our security is in you and you alone. God, I pray that through your word we see these truths this morning. But more importantly, God, that we will be able to put your truths into practice in our lives. So that when people see us, Lord God, they see a reflection of your son, Jesus Christ, in our lives. We commit to you this time, Lord God. I confess that apart from your Holy Spirit, I cannot deliver your word. So fill me, fill all of us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. And teach us and speak to us, Lord. And allow all glory, honor, and praise to go back to you in Jesus' name. Amen. What's the topic? Rest. Rest. Letter R. Letter R stars fo stands for remember God's faithfulness. Genesis chapter 8 verse 1. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And God caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. What did God do? God remembered Noah. Now that word remember means to pay attention to, to fulfill a promise, and to act on behalf of someone. It's not like God forgot. It's not like us. Oh, I was going to bring something for the media this morning. I texted brother Mike Salvador. Mike, can you bring your tripod? Because he has a fluid head tripod. And I was supposed to bring a remote control for the cameraman upstairs. Okay? I remembered when I was here. <laughs> Brother Mike remembered. He brought the tripod. I remembered when I parked my car. Not so with God. God is faithful. When the word remember in the Bible says God remembered, he paid attention. What did he pay attention to? To his promise. The word remember, to fulfill a promise and to act on someone's behalf. And who did God remember? Noah and all the animals. And what did God do? He caused a wind to move over the earth. And the floodwaters that rose, what happened? Began to recede. Remember God's faithfulness. How can we know about how faithful our God is? Well, Romans 10, 17 tells us. Pastor Danny shared with his, this with us. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the word of God. 
So, that's why we preach based on the Word of God. That's why when you have your discipleship group, group meetings, we trust that you're studying what? The Word of God. Because through the study of the Word of God, you begin to develop faith. And then your faith will be strengthened as you follow, as you obey what God tells you to do. But if you do not know what God tells you to do, you won't believe it. Because you have not practiced it. Because you have not heard it. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. And when you begin to study and meditate and even pray over the scriptures, you will encounter this passage. Joshua 21, verse 45. Not one. Let me repeat. Not one of the good promises which the Lord has made to the house of Israel failed. All come to pass. All of his promises will come to pass. Why? Because he is a faithful God. He is a promise keeper. He remembered Noah and he was going to act on his promise. And what did God do? Also, the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed. And the rain from the sky was restrained. And the water receded steadily from the earth. And at the end of 150 days, the water decreased. Remember earlier I showed you? How did God bring about the flood? He opened the heavens and rain poured down. The water from underneath burst open. And the water began to go up. What did God do? He shut the rain and he closed off the waters from under the ground. And then what began to happen? The waters began to recede. The waters began to decrease. But do you notice how many days did the flood waters stay covering the earth? 150 days. How long can you hold your breath? Try to hold your breath for 150 days. What's my point? All living creatures, all living creatures perished. They all died. Only Noah and his family were spared. So God reversed everything. That which he opened, he closed. And that which remained open, which is the door of the ark, he also closed. And the waters began to decrease until finally, in the seventh month, how long? In the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. The water decreased steadily until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains became visible. Imagine. The whole earth was covered with water. And then when God allowed the waters to decrease, when he shut off the heavens, when he closed the underwater rivers, and he sent the wind, 
the waters began to de decrease and recede. Now, where is Ararat? Ararat is in Turkey. Somewhere there. Oh, Pampanga. No, I'm sorry. Our brother is uh, geographically challenged. Okay, brother, I suggest you purchase a GPS. The mountains of Ararat are not in Arayat, Pampanga. The mountains of Ararat are located in Turkey. So if it were, an artist's depiction would be something like this. Because the waters covered the highest peak over the highest peak, which is what today? Mount Everest. The waters were more than that. And then when the waters began to recede, so to speak, it got stuck on the mountain named Ararat. But this is Genesis, Pastor. Nobody was there. So who really knows, right? It's a good thing that technology nowadays has it. In 2006, a U.S. national analyst claimed this satellite image revealing a baffle anomaly on the mountain's northwest corner that he believed to be the remains of Noah's Ark. Now, if you like to go up the mountains and hike, you will know that at a certain elevation, is called the tree line. After the tree line, once you exceed that elevation, there are no more trees. This is on top of Mount Ararat, higher than the tree line. Another picture shows in 1949 a U.S. Air Force picture of Mount Ararat. Again, over far above the limit where you would be able to still see vegetation and trees, they saw something protruding from the ice, supposedly, assumedly made of wood. Now, why, why would a piece of wood be where it's not supposed to be? If not for the truth of what the Bible says. Rest, because you have to remember the promise of God. Remember God's faithfulness. Letter E stands for expect new things. Expect new things. Genesis 4, which we just read, I have underlined for you the name of the mountain. And the name of the mountain is Ararat. Again, it has a great significance. The word or the name Ararat means the curse reversed. It also means the precipitation of a curse. And what is the curse? Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. But God's free gift is eternal life, which can be found in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a curse. Have you ever committed a sin? Any kind of sin? Just one sin? If the answer is sin, you're under curse. And what is the demand? What is the payment for that sin? 
death. Isn't that a heavy curse to be under? I am cursed. My youngest brother is six foot tall. My curse, Pastor Danny, sorry, we are. Okay. Okay, I will not speak for Pastor Danny. But my height is just that. Maybe when I get to heaven, I'll be more than six feet tall. I don't know. But look at the curse. The wages, plural, of sin, singular, is death. And why is it that the ark that saved Noah and his family would, by happenstance, rest on the mountain named Ararat? Which means the curse reversed? Think about it. It's a new beginning. Verse 4. In the seventh month, on the 17th day. Now what is... We just shared with you who's celebrating this birthday, on what day, who's celebrating an anniversary on this day or that day. Why is the seventh month on the... Se why is the seventh month on the 17th day of that month? Why is it important? They had two calendars. First, the civil calendar, which began in Genesis. Okay? The second calendar was the religious calendar, when God liberated his people from the bondage of the Egyptians and brought them out into a good and spacious land. God changed their calendar. Exodus 12, verse 2. This month shall be to you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So did God change their calendar? Yes. What is the first month of the first calendar of, e of Genesis? First month. Two, three, four, five. However, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God changed it. All right? So here it is. Tishri. The first month in the calendar when they started in the book of Genesis. All right? On the seventh month. So, you go down. Tishri, Shivan, Shishilu, Tevet, Shivat, Adar, Nisan. Not the car. Okay? Because they also had the accord in the New Testament. All right. The seventh, one, seventh month was Nisan. God changed it. Okay? God changed it. The seventh month, Nisan, in the book of Exodus, became their first month, according to Exodus chapter 12, verse 2. You got it? Now, what is the significance of this? God said, on the 17th day of the seventh month. Correct? Now, let me show you. That's what happened. The first, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 10, 11, 12. And then God changed it. The number seven became 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. You got it? Okay. Significance. As you expect new things, the 17th day of the seventh month of the Genesis calendar corresponds to the 14th month of Nisan, which was the Passover. And Jesus Christ was crucified on the 14th day of Nisan. The feast of the Passover. 
And he was in the tomb for three days. 17, oh, 14 plus 3 equals 17. The 17th day of Nisan, Noah's new beginning on the planet Earth is also the anticipated anniversary of our new beginning in Christ. What a coincide! My friends, God does not deal with coincidence. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a design. It did not just happen that Noah's Ark landed on Ararat. It was not only because it was the 17th day of the seventh month or whatever it was. It was by God's design. By God's design. That from that time on, we have a forward-looking picture that there is going to come a Messiah and he is going to be crucified on the Passover. When Jesus Christ shared his last meal with his disciples, he said, okay, the Passover is two days away. Then the Son of Man will be delivered. And then after three days, he rose again. New beginning. New life. That word Ararat, which means the curse is reversed, the precipitation of a curse, that applies to everyone and anyone who is in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? He is a new creation. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. If you are in Christ, my friend, Hebrews tells us, their sins and lawless deeds I will what? Remember no more. The positive side of the word remember, and God remembered Noah. He remembered his promise and he took action. This time, after having sent Jesus Christ, he said, I'm no longer going to take your sins against you. Because the penalty of your sins have been paid for by my son, Jesus Christ. That's why if you are in Christ, sinner as you and I still are, in God's eyes, we are new. And we are being renewed day by day, moment by moment, from one glory to another. That's how God is. That's why you and I can rest. We can remember the faithfulness of God and we can expect new things. He said to Noah, Go out of the ark, you and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you. Birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may breathe abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiplying on the earth. Does that command sound familiar? Does it? Let's take a look. Genesis chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Yes? Isn't that the same command that God gave to Adam? God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. It's a new beginning. Same idea. Genesis 9 verse 3. Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give to you all as I, have, as I gave the green plant. Same idea. Genesis 1.29. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding 
seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be for your food. Did God provide food for them? Yes. But wait a minute. No more plants. They're all dead. Yes or no? So how will they live? Do you notice that God changed their diet? In Genesis, oh, see, put, I know that, huh? I heard that. In Genesis, all the plants are for you. All the plants. All the plants for you. Every fruit-bearing tree, that's for you. All the plants that are edible, that's for you. But in the restart, in the new beginning, what did God do according to Genesis 9? God did not only give them the plants, God also gave them the animals. Now you can eat meat. Aside from the vegetation, you can now eat meat. Imagine God would even think about that. How will you plant? The flood just finished everything. How long will the, you know, for it to become edible? Think about these things. You're a farmer. How long will it take for you to harvest and to eat? So in the meantime, you have animals. Now you have better taken good care of the animals. You should not have eaten them while they were in the ark. Because when you go out, you have no more food. <laughs> See, God knows everything. Bring food for yourself. Bring food for the animals to sustain them. Why? Because you're going to need them at the proper time. So God told them, go out. God, if I go out, I will drown. Because they already didn't experience the flood. No, they went out. They went out. They obeyed God. And they brought out all the animals. And they began to breed. They began to multiply. They began to obey the God to fill the earth. Genesis 9. Then he spoke to Noah and to his son with him saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. Let me pause a little there. Usually a contract or a covenant involves or needs two parties. Yes? Those of you in business. The buyer, the seller. And then to ensure that both parties will abide by the contract. They will sign. There is a clause called representation and warranties. Okay? And there is also a penalty clause. If one does not fulfill his part. Look at this verse again. Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and your descendants. Who's making the promise? God. Who is he relying on to fulfill the promise? No one else. So this is an ironclad, foolproof covenant. Why? Because it is God making the oath, making the covenant. And God does not lie. God does not cheat. God will fulfill his promise. So if God is the one promising you, you can rest in the promise of God. But if you do not study the Bible, if you do not read it, how can you claim the promise of God? You will be unrested. You will be stressed. You will be on edge. Because you don't know the promises of God. You may be new in Christ thinking that because you prayed the prayer that you're now a Christian. But then when you look back, nothing has changed. 
friend, God promised that He will accept you as is where is. But He will not let you remain as is where is. He will send people into your life to share Jesus with you. He will send people into your life to call your attention in the areas of Christ-likeness that we fail. We need people. I need you. I hope you need me in return. Because I need your input in my life. Because I cannot do it alone. I have the Holy Spirit, yes. But sometimes God uses people too. But this covenant, God said, I'm going to fulfill it. I'm going to give it to you and to your descendants. And what is that? And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, every beast of the earth, God is giving a promise. And what is that promise? Letter S. Savor. Cherish. What? The covenant of God. And what is that covenant? I will establish my covenant with you. And all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood. Neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. How many times was God going to destroy the earth via a flood? Once. Will it ever happen again in that way? No. Why? God said so. Last week, Pastor Danny shared with us, when that time comes, what kind of devastation will God use? Fire. It's no longer going to be flood. It's going to be fire. That's why we need Donald Trump. You're fired. No, I'm just kidding. When God will bring about judgment in the latter days, it's going to be by what? Fire. He said, no longer. I am inhibiting myself from destroying all of mankind. The legal term, panero, is estopel. I have stopped myself. I am inhibiting myself. I am precluding myself from ever exercising my judgment ever again through a flood. And this promise is to you, Noah, to your family, as well as all the other living creatures that were sustained by you through my power in the flood. You can savor the covenant of God. That when you are in Christ, when you are in God, you're protected forever. Nothing can happen to you apart from God allowing it. Has God made a covenant with you? Rest that God will fulfill that covenant. Savor. Be at peace. Because God Almighty is the one that has promised that to you. Verse 12, And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the, that the, bow, that the bow will be seen in the cloud. And I will remember, you see that word again? I will remember my covenant 
which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, This will be a sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So why do we have a rainbow? Oh, because, you know, that is when the light passes to a prism. It has the different spectrum. The rainbow is there. It's a commemoration. as a reminder to all of us and to God. That never again, never again will he destroy all life through a flood. You know, I'm amazed at God and how he communicates through signs. I was already here in the U.S. When in Manila, they had the Don't Watch Early Morning Prayer Time. Those of you who are from CCF Manila, you know this. They were doing the groundbreaking of the CCF Ortigas building. And guess what? Guess what they had when they were praying? They had a rainbow. And guess what? If I'm not mistaken, on or about the same time, what was I looking at in Whittier, where I was staying? A rainbow. And it was as if God was telling me, Song, even if you're here, you're still part of the work over there. God honors his promise. We can savor. We can taste the goodness of the Lord. Trust him. But the, the sad part, the travesty of all that God has been doing for mankind is this same sign the LGBT movement is also using. Isn't that a slap in the face to God? The very sign that God gave humankind to remind humankind that he will never again destroy the earth by a flood is the exact same sign that they want to use or they're using for their right to exercise their own quote-unquote freedoms. That's why the Bible is replete with warnings. Just as in the day of Noah, they were giving in marriage. If you read to Matthew 24, Matthew 25, they were exchanging natural relations for unnatural relations. Man having sexual intimacy with men, women having sexual intimacy with women, as far as God is concerned, male and female, he created them. Remember the faithfulness of God. Expect new things. Savor his covenant. So what did God do? God told Noah, what did Noah do? So Noah went out 
and his sons and his wife and sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out from the, from, by their families from the ark. How many of you are descendants of Adam? Trick question. Adam and his generation. Think about it. They were all wiped out. No, we don't need to make it a <laughs> biblical debate. I'm just giving you food for thought. See, Adam and his generation no more. It's now Noah and his new generation, right? Think about that. And behold, Jesus Christ says in the book of Revelations, I will make all things new. Even for that promise alone, you can savor the promise of God. Rest. Remember God's faithfulness in your life. Expect new things. Savor God's covenant. And lastly, letter T, turn your storms to worship. Turn your storms to worship. Genesis 8 verse 20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. What was the first thing that Noah did? He worshipped God. He went through the storm. And the very first thing that he did was to offer a burnt offering to the Lord. He worshipped God. Many times when we have make a covenant with God, okay, you know what, God? If you're going to do this, this is what I promise to do for you. And then the moment God answers, yes, yes, and then we forget our part. Yes or no? Not so with Noah. The very first thing that he did was to turn that storm into an opportunity for worship. He built an altar. And he got what? From every clean animal and every clean bird. I don't know how many. Please do not ask. But I know that he worshipped God. And when people see you, those of us who claim to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, when they see us walking through the storms of life, yet continuing to praise and worship God, it gives them an amazement. What is wrong with this person? Would you believe I was interviewing a client of mine last Friday when I was going over through some of the information now, I don't know her spiritual background. You know, in the workplace, you can't really talk about spiritual stuff, right? So I said, wow, your husband is a truck driver. Oh, yes. I used to drive trucks too. I mean, ma'am, you, you mean, ma'am, the big rig? Oh, yeah. Until I had a back problem. I've had five back operations. And I have cancer three times. Yet she's there in the interview booth and she's smiling. I told her she might be cut off because her husband is making too much money. 
Well, that's okay. So long as we still have our food stamps, that's okay. Hello? I've not had five back operations. I've had a couple, but not yet something that debilitates me. I've not had cancer three times. In the midst of the storm, through the wind and the waves, you'll still be faithful. You'll still be faithful. I asked for that song to remind all of us that even in the midst of a storm, we can still worship God. Is God good? Does he remember his promise? Are you excited for a new beginning? Are you savoring God's covenant with you? Are you turning your storms into worship? Noah did it. He did it by faith. And what did God do? The Lord smelled the soothing aroma. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man. For the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. You see, evil is in the heart. God said it. Because the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. That's the issue. It's a heart issue. And when Noah offered a worship unto God, he gave this other promise. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Aren't you blessed with that promise of God? A promise he gave to Noah and the generations after Noah of those who put their faith in God. God said, I'm not going to put an end to the earth anymore as I have done. And I've heard, I have smelled your offering, the aroma. And while the earth remains, which I will never destroy, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter and day and night, they shall never cease. Can you trust God? Can you rest well knowing that God remembers you? You can change your attitude towards your circumstances and make your life a lifestyle of worship as Paul writes in Romans chapter 12. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, service of worship. Worship does, does not just happen here on Sunday. This is our congregational worship service. And if you read carefully Romans 12 verse 1, God is telling us, your life, my life, should be a lifestyle of worshiping God. Every aspect, every opportunity that you have, you can turn to become an opportunity to worship Jesus. 
And it begins again with the renewing of our minds. He said, do not be conformed to this world. Don't go with the flow. Go against the flow. Stand out. Be set apart. Establish your faith planted firm on the word of God. Renew your mind. Why? So that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. You have to know the word of God. You have to know what you're standing on. And then you can rest well. If you don't know what you're standing on, how can you rest? You know, you sleep like every 30 minutes, you move around. When you wake up, you're not rested. Why? You're anxious. You're thinking of things. You forget that God is in control. That's why you should rest well. Because God remembers you. He knows you by name. Every hair, here we go again. Every hair on your head is numbered. One, two, three, four, five, five, five. Next. One, next. So may mga ganon. I'm beginning to be one of that crowd. All of this, my beloved brothers and sisters, are premised on one thing. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Come to me, all who are weary and heaven laden. And what? I, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Obedience. It's in the Bible, friends. The grace of God is not contrary to our responsibility to obey. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am what? Gentle and humble. Here we go again. Why? Because that is the example of our Lord. Humility. Obedience. Are we preaching something that is not found in the Bible? Gentle and humble in spirit. And you will find what? Rest for your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Are you in Christ? He says, come to me. He didn't say come to CCF. He said, come to me. All of you who are weary and heavy laden. God is no respecter of persons. You may be young. You may be old. You may be rich, you may be poor, you may be sickly, you may be in perfect health. God still calls you to come to Him. And only in Jesus will you find genuine rest for your souls. Have you come to Jesus that way? Or do you just believe that you're a child of God because your parents bring you to school? Or that because you attend a Bible study of a day group? You and I must personally come to Jesus. And if you come to Jesus, as you savor his covenant and turn your trial, you turn your storm into worship, 
you can claim his promise. He himself said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Rest, because R stands for remember God's faithfulness. E stands for expect new things. S stands for savor God's covenant. And T, turn your storms to worship. Rest, and that rest can only be found in Jesus. Why? Because only God can turn a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, a victim into a victory. How are you this morning? Have you come to faith in Jesus? If not, now is the time. He's inviting you. Come. He said, come to me. Come to Jesus. If you're already in Christ, how is your walk? Are you able to apply this in your life? Oh, pastor, you don't know what mess I've made in my life. Well, God can make that mess into a message. Oh, I have so many tests. I have so many trials. God can turn that into a testimony. Oh, pastor, I have so trials. Well, God can give you victory. He can give you triumphs. And if, if, if you've been a victim, God can turn that into a victory for you. Let's pray. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit move in our hearts and in our midst this morning. And if there is someone here who has not fully understand the gospel of Jesus Christ yet, I pray, Lord, that you speak to that person, that you humble that person, and that person this morning come to you and experience rest for their weary soul. If you're that person this morning and you don't know what to say to Jesus, may I suggest a prayer that expresses your faith in Jesus. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's Jesus who saves. And he wants not only to save you, but for you to become his disciple. Just say in your heart, in all sincerity, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you. And I need you as my life. I need you in my life as my Savior. But more importantly, the Lord of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for giving me eternal life today. And I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you will give me the power to obey all that you command so that I can reflect your Son, Jesus Christ, in my life. Brother or sister, if you prayed that prayer, begin to read the Bible. See what God wants you to do as a born-again child of God, and begin to obey, to bear fruit as evidence of this new relationship. If, on the other hand, you're here this morning, and you've already asked Jesus into your life, but you're still unrested, perhaps there are areas in your life that you're not putting under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Will you confess that to Jesus this morning, whatever it may be? 
and savor the promise that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But make a commitment to God to depend upon the Holy Spirit so that you don't keep doing the same sin over and over again. And be free. Come out to the newness of life that God has promised for you. God Almighty, thank you for reminding us that you know us by name. Thank you that we can rest on your promises. We remember your faithfulness through your word. Thank you that we can expect new things for your mercies are new every morning. Thank you that we can savor your covenant to us. And thank you for reminding us that we can turn our storms into opportunities to worship you. Lord, you are our God. And may everyone, Lord God, validate that truth through a lifestyle of love, grace, humility, and obedience to you in all aspects of our lives. And for this, we will be careful to give you back the honor, the glory, and the praise. In Jesus' name we all pray. And everyone said amen. God bless you, everyone.